Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. We really are. It's so good to see you guys, and uh, thank you for coming out today. And again, let me say thank you to those of you who are joining us online. So glad that you're hanging with us as well. And uh, this will be a great series that we begin. As you know, and I don't have to tell you, we are going through a lot as a nation, as a state, as a community. And there would no better book of the Bible than to go through right now than the book of James. We actually had the book of James planned a while back. And let me tell you about some things that we're going to talk about. The book of James is actually going to talk to us about some things like how do we talk to one another. Um, if he were writing it today, it would be how do we post to one another or tweet to one another. Um, we're going to talk about how do you relate to people who are different than you. We're going to talk about how do you love people who are oppressed. We're going to talk about how in the world do we minister to people who really don't want anything to do with Christianity. Uh, yeah, it's a total irrelevant book to the world we're living in, right? Um, and so I'm glad you're here. I hope you hang with us the entire time. If you are in a small group, uh, we've actually provided small group materials for you to follow along with us. And if you would like to start a small group wherever you are, please, there's a link uh, right there that you can see. You can go online and start a small group with your friends and family. We would love for you to follow with us because, again, this is going to be a series where we talk about what is normal and what is abnormal. And let me go ahead and tell you up front, everyone wants to settle for the normal because it's easy. This is comfortable. This is the road that many people travel. The abnormal is a little more difficult. Why? Because it doesn't come as a normal way of life for us. But this is where Jesus wants us to live is in the abnormal world. And this is what the book of James is going to challenge us to do. Now, let me kind of tell you a little bit about James. He was the half-brother of Jesus. Okay. Now, I don't know if you had a brother growing up. I had two brothers growing up. Um, it, was, it was hard enough convincing my brothers that I was better than them. Imagine convincing your brother that you're God. Can you imagine the complications that this brought on your relationship with him, especially if you would go to a party together, right? And everyone is coming up to you going, hey, can you get your brother to do that water to wine thing? That is so cool. You can't do anything like that, but can you get him to do it? And the, the Bible actually says that Jesus' family thought he was a little crazy at times. Like James didn't buy into his brother being the Messiah, God in a bod, until the resurrection, so when your own brother who has lived with you day in and day out for years, when he says, I'm just telling you, he is exactly who he said he was. He is the Messiah. He's the one. God in a bod, Savior of the world, that's him. If anyone, if anyone could have pulled the cover away from Jesus going, no, 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 no. I know what he's telling the world. But listen, I'm his brother. I could tell you differently. And James is, is ending by going, no, no, no. I'm just telling you, he is exactly who he said he was. He's Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one. That's him. So here's the deal. So Jesus has died, come back to life. James is writing his book of the Bible. Anybody want to guess the title of his book of the Bible? Yeah, they were real creative with names back then. It's called James. That's it. And so James is writing to Jewish Christians. He's writing to believers, now watch, this is important. He's writing to believers who were thinking, well, you know what? We have the product, Jesus. We study the product, Jesus. We talk about the product, Jesus. 
So we're okay. And our life should be totally fine from here on out. And James is writing the whole book to these people who are thinking this way going, wait, 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 wait. Who told you that? Because if you don't do anything with Jesus, it's not going to make any difference in your life whatsoever. Yes, you know it. You know him. You talk about him. You study about him as you should. And those are all great things. But if you don't apply what you know about Jesus, watch. And if you don't live the way he's asking you to live, you're living a dream. Because if you don't do something with Jesus, then it makes no difference in your life. It's not going to make a difference in your family. It's not going to make a difference in your community. And it's not going to make a difference in your world. You're just believing something as you should. And what you're believing about him is great. But if you don't apply what you're believing, you will make no difference whatsoever in this world. And you will reach a point in your life to where you will get to a point where you go, huh, well, I tried, Jesus. It just didn't work for me. You ever heard anybody ever say that? I tried. It just didn't work for me. Let me tell you how this kind of fleshes itself out. If you grew up at Protestant, the whole goal for parents, it seemed like, it seemed like, was to get your son or your daughter to pray the prayer. Just get them to pray the prayer. And this usually worked like at student camp. Just get them to camp. Get them to camp. Bring in some speaker. And then when you get them to student camp, then hopefully, hopefully they pray the prayer. And here's how, this, here's how this went down. Maybe the son or the daughter prays the prayer. Here's what happens. They go back and they call mama and they're crying. It's emotional, right? Because they're tired. They haven't slept in five days. They haven't even changed their underwear because nobody wants to take a shower at camp. So they're crying and they're weeping and they call mama and they're like, Mama, tonight I prayed the prayer. And she's like, Jesus, he prayed the prayer. I mean, it's like so excited that they prayed the prayer. Okay, this is how it works. I'm just telling you. And then three months go by. And that son or that daughter is doing the exact same things they used to do before they ever went to camp. So what does the mom and dad think? It didn't take. We need to send them back to camp. Hurry up and get camp here again next summer. And here we go again. Maybe the prayer will work. The whole focus of it, the person praying the prayer if there is a belief behind, then the prayer, now they're good, James would go, what? where'd you learn that? What? Hang, on, hang on just a minute. Why do you believe that? You know, and if you grew up Catholic, it's the same way. No different, right? Right when they're born, what's grandma and granddad wanting to do? Get them baptized. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Get them christened. Hurry up and get them baptized by the priest. Got to be by the priest. And then you got to get into certain classes, right? Because the grandma or the granddad, great intentions, great steps, absolutely solid way of living life, being involved in the church. I'm a thousand percent on board with that. But when the belief is, they're good now. We got them christened, we got them baptized. We got, James is going to step back and he's going to challenge that and he's going to go, hang on, hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. Where did you get that from? Because it wasn't from Jesus and it's not from the New Testament teachers. 
and it's definitely not going to be in my book. See, here's what James is going to constantly say. You can pray all the right prayers. You can be in the right churches. You can go to the right small groups. But at the end of the day, if you're not doing something with Jesus, you're making no difference in the world. And he's not making any difference in your life. This is the challenge that James is going to bring. Another illustration. I don't know if you've ever heard this before. Uh, maybe you're rocking the age of 27, 28, still at home on the Xbox, and your dad and your mom is like, please go find somebody. I don't care what website you use. Go find somebody. Get out of the house. Go get married. Okay? But make sure they're a Christian. Because you don't want to marry a non-Christian. That's trouble down the road. Because the equation is you get Christian man, Christian woman on the altar. Whew! The marriage is going to be good. Anybody know of a Christian marriage that's gone down in flames? Anybody? Anybody? Well, what happened to the equation? See, James would get on stage and go, see, 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 now you're starting to understand what I'm talking about. You can marry a Christian, but it does not mean that marriage is going to work out in the end. James is going, listen, you can believe the right things, but if you don't live it out, you could be in a world of hurt down the road. And now you don't know what to believe because you had stinking thinking about Christianity. So this is the challenge that James is going to give to us. Now, we're going through the book of James, but I'm not starting in James chapter 1. Because that's not the theme of his book. The theme of the book of James is actually found in James chapter 2. And this is the umbrella. This is where James just really sets in to go, okay, okay, okay. I gave you chapter one. We'll talk about that next week. I gave you chapter one. But I, this is the heart of what I'm trying to express to you. And in James chapter two, here are the words that we read. What good is it? So he just launches in. I, I'm just going to tell you up front. This is the theme of my whole book. What good is it? Dear brothers and sisters, if you, what's the next word? Say you have faith. But don't, what's the next word? Show it by your actions. Can that kind of faith save him? Here's where he's going with this. This is where he's going in his whole book. This is his thesis right here. The normal person in life will say they have faith. Do you go to church? Oh, yeah, I go to church. You ever been to church? I've been to church. Do you pray? Oh, I pray. You ever read the Bible? Well, I've heard about it. I mean, they say, they say, they say, they say they believe in God. Here's the argument he's going to make. That's great. You want to be abnormal? Show it. That's the difference. Everybody says it. You want to live the abnormal life? Show it. Because what good is it? This is how he starts this whole theme. What good is it to say you have faith, but you never show that you have faith? Now, th this next part that he says at the very last part of what you just read, this is where a lot of individuals, a lot of preachers, a lot of denominations get it totally wrong because he says, can that kind of faith, what's the next word? Save that man or that woman. Now, watch, watch. Here's what he's not saying. He is not saying that if you're going to go to heaven one day, you got to show it. He is not saying, he has never said that your works get you into heaven. This is how we think. 
Because we grow up with this question. Hey, are you saved? Are you saved? Are you saved? Are you saved? Listen, you walk up to anybody in the first century and you ask them that question. Hey, are you saved? Here's what they're going to do. Saved from what? Something chasing? Saved from what? They don't even understand that terminology. Why? When Jesus presented the good news, it was good news about here and now. Not just when you die. Did he talk about heaven? Absolutely he did. But when he said, I came to give you life, that wasn't about when you pass away. It was for right now in your marriage, in your relationships, in your financial world, in your business, in your friendships, in your community. I'm coming to give you life. Here's what James is saying. I would never say that you have to do good works to be saved. Here's what he is saying. I am saying if you are saved, in our terminology, you're going to show it through your works. He actually uses the word save three times in the book of James. Not one time does he ever talk about eternity. Not one time. Every time he used the word save, can that faith save you? Can that faith save you? He's talking about preservation. He's talking about giving you life right now in the here and now. Um, I, I love what he says in James chapter 2, verse 4. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save that individual? Here's the abnormal truth for the whole series. This is it. Our lives and our relationships change when we do something with what we believe. Everybody says it. Very few show it and live it out. But that's when things change. Let me give you just some practical, practical examples, okay? We use that word save all the time exactly the way James is using it. You ever heard or said this? Dude, that dude saved the game with that shot. This book saved my marriage. You got to read it. That deal saved my job. None of those instances are you talking about eternity, you're talking about it preserved, it rescued, it gave me life, it gave us life. Now, you know this to be true in your own life right now. We all would say that we should floss every day, right? Because what happens if we say it, but we don't show it every day? What's the result if we don't do that? Yeah, see, we know. We know what happens. Isn't that exactly we know that we should exercise. We would all say that exercise saves your life. It makes your life better. But if you're going to be abnormal, you got to show it. And most of us don't ever want to do that. I mean, we just kind of want to settle in life, right? Here's the last one. We would all say that we should eat healthy. <laughs> COVID-19. I found the 19. I'm telling you right. I know exactly where the 19 went. So i got to start that tomorrow. We would all say that exercise is good. But if you want to save your life, you got to show it. you got to do something with it, and you got to eat healthy if you want to do that. Because if not, this is what we want to settle for. Why? Because this is easy. This is the normal way of, that's a hamburger right there, isn't it? That's normal. It's easy to eat the hamburger and say you should eat healthy. This is where James is going. Watch. And you need to know James gets a little personal. Let me back up. He gets real personal. How many husbands 
say they're a Christian, but they refuse to serve their wife. How many wives say they're a Christian, but they refuse to respect and honor their husband? You're like, hey, 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 back up. This is what James does. This is what James does. Watch, watch, watch. How many Christians say that everything they have comes from God, but won't show it with the first 10%? See, this is what James does. He just gets so personal going, listen, you want God to preserve your marriage. You want God to save your business. You want God to step in and do some things. Watch, and James would absolutely back this up. Behind every trial you experience is a loving heavenly father with a heart wanting to partner with you. He will not do it for you. And his heart for your marriage is that you have a marriage that you've always wanted. No marriage is perfect. Yes, there are trials. Yes, there are valleys to go through. But you want God to be a part of that? Here's what he goes. I've given you a manual. Just live it out regardless of how you feel. Just live it. If you say it and you want a difference, you got to show it. Don't just say it. Put it to action. Because if you don't put it to action in any area of your life, just pick one. It doesn't matter. It's good as dead faith is what he says. It's so challenging. And in this series, I'm just telling you, we're all going to be challenged in this series in different ways. In two weeks from now, James is going to talk to us about racial reconciliation. He's going to talk to us about how to view other people who are different than we are. Let me tell you my goal in that message. I want to offend everybody in the room. <laughs> I'm just being serious. I mean, James just, he, James just, he goes, listen, I don't know what side you're on, but God doesn't take sides. And it's going to be challenging for us. And James goes on, though, in this passage, just setting up the whole, the whole series. Here's what he says in verse 15, coming off of, can that faith save you? Watch this. He doesn't start talking about eternity. He gives a right now illustration in this world. Here's what he says. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't. Give, that's the show part. You don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? You imagine, you leave here, you, you're going out for lunch, you're going out somewhere, and you see someone with a homeless sign right next to you, and you feel moved, you feel moved to stop to hear their story. I want to know your story. You hear their story and you are so moved with the emotion and tears, you actually call your spouse and you're like, this story is incredible. I mean, you won't believe how this individual landed here. It's just, you've got to hear this story. And then you hang up the phone and you pray with the individual. You're, you believe God can help them. You believe God loves them. You said it your whole life. And now this is like, this is the moment for God. And then you end your prayer with, hey, we're going to keep praying for you, man. What good has your faith done for that individual? James has said, nothing. Your faith in that moment, though you believe everything you just prayed, your faith 
has done absolutely no good whatsoever. If you really believe that, show him. Do something. Now God has gotten involved in that moment. Do you see it? This is what James is talking about. Can that faith save you? Let me give you a practical illustration. Now, here's what James does, okay? In verse 17, here's what he says. In the same way, just like that illustration of a homeless person, in the same way, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, here's what James is about to do. You got to hang with this part because it can get confusing. I'll do my best so that it doesn't. He's about to have an imaginary conversation. Now, most people who do that, they need help and counseling. Not James. It's for, it's for a spiritual reason. James is about to have an imaginary conversation with someone who basically looks at James at this point and says, whoa, 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 whoa. James, I know where you're going with this. I know where you're going, and I don't want to go there with you. Here's where you're about to go in your book that you're writing, James. You're about to say that A plus B equals C. And that you and I have to live a certain way because we believe and follow Jesus. And I'm just telling you, that's not true. This is what the imaginary person is going to say. The imaginary person is going to say this. Hey, James, you and I can believe the same thing, but it can be fleshed out totally different in different ways. That, that is possible. And James is like, well, pre- present your argument. So the imaginary person, here's what he says. Okay, okay. Now, someone may argue. This is the imaginary person. Someone may argue. Some people have faith. Others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. The imaginary person is simply saying this. Hey, James, you have faith. You're going to do good deeds? Awesome. I don't have to do good deeds. We believe the same thing, but we're going to flesh this thing out. And then the imaginary person takes it to another level. The imaginary person says this. He goes, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you, James. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. Not nice, brought in Demons. The imaginary person is saying this. Hey, James, here's the deal. You believe in God, and it gives you a lot of joy. The demons believe in God, and they tremble in fear. Both of you believe in God. So see, James, it can be lived out completely different. I don't know if you remember this growing up. You ever heard a preacher go, well, you got demon faith. Be like, we need to get them out of there. What do we need to do to get them out? I don't, want de- I, want real fa- I don't want demon faith. I want like real faith. Well, you got demon faith. I don't want demon faith. This is not what J- James is saying this. It's not that you got demon faith. It's that you both have faith. It's lived out different. So James, watch, watch, watch. Don't tell me how I should date. James, don't tell me how my marriage should operate. James, James. Don't tell me who I should marry, because I'm telling you what, James, we both can believe in God, yet it's fleshed out completely different. (laughs) You want to know what James' response is to this imaginary person? (laughs) Look at the first two words. How foolish. How foolish. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is is useless? And then he pulls all the way back to their Jewish heritage to talk about Abraham. 
He goes, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? And he goes on, he goes, you see, his faith and his actions work together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. James is just asking them, what do you love about Abraham? What do you love about Father Abraham? Well, he had many sons and many... Okay, apart from that, what do you love about Abraham? Oh, man. I mean, like, without him, like, he left everything to follow God. Didn't know where he was going. What else do you love about Abraham? Man, I remember where he would just, uh, he would have these conversations with God, and he'd, like, build an altar in, 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 in honor of God. What, what else do you love about Abraham? Well, I love that, that moment where he sacrificed Isaac, you know, when he was about to because he loved God so much. Watch, watch, watch. You want to know why your Abraham is your hero as a Jewish heritage? You want to know why? Watch. Not because of what he believed, because of what he did with what he believed. That's why you love him. And it's his belief that made him right with God. How he fleshed it out showed he was right with God. This is the game changer, James says. This is how it fleshes itself out. So in verse 22, he wraps it all up, and here's what he says. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. He is not saying you are made right with God by doing both. You're made right with God by saying you are the Son of God. I need you in my life. I surrender to you. You show it to the world by how you live that out. This is what James is saying. I love what Martin Luther said. Here's what he said. You are saved by faith alone, but it is not a faith that is alone. If you say you love people, show it. If you say you want to help people, show it. If you say you want to honor your spouse, show it. If you say you love your kids, show it. This is the book of James. It is going to be an amazing book together. I, I was thinking about some, some things in my own life of where really some game-changing moments where to move from normal to abnormal. Here's one of the first things I wrote down. We will be abnormal as a church, as a people, when we apply God's Word, not just read God's Word. People love to study God's Word. James would step in and go, please study God's Word. Please read God's Word. Please memorize God's Word. But don't stop. Ask God, what do you want me to do with what I just read? That's the power of God's word in action. The second thing I wrote down is when we serve other people. We live in a world that is normal saying, you should serve me. You should make my world better. You are here for me. And I demand that you make my life what I think my life should be like. You want to be abnormal? Just serve everybody around you. Put them first, not your needs, that's normal. But show them what the love of God is all about. The third thing I wrote down was prioritize my finances. <clears throat> we pray and ask God to bless us financially as we should. 
I think the question James is going to ask in one of the chapters later on is, but how are you showing God that he's first in your life? The fourth thing that I wrote down was this, that we live in accountability. That's a game changer. That there's someone in your life, you have a small group, you have someone, two people, three people, who's going to, watch, help you live in between these two signs. Help you live in what you say and how are you living that out. Is that true for your life? Living in accountability is what can bring these two in reality for your life and your marriage. This is where James is going. I don't want you to miss a message. It is a powerful, powerful book that is very applicable to where we are today. This would be my question for you today. This would be my question for you at home or wherever you're watching this from. Have you ever truly not just said that you love Jesus, not just said that you are a Christian? Could people around you watch how you live your life and go, absolutely, they're a Christian. Absolutely, he's a Jesus follower. Not that they're perfect, but that I see it in their life. James would want you to know your heavenly father, your heavenly father is inviting you to a better way of life. And it's one that's filled with life. It's not normal. Oh, it is very abnormal in the times that you're living in. But it is the best way to life, not the easiest way. And this is the invitation he will continue to bring our way. Let's pray together as we wrap up. God, thank you, thank you, thank you for an ancient text that is so relevant to the world we're in right now. Because God, I truly believe that each person watching, each person in this room, we want to make a difference. God, the reality is we just don't know how. God, we want to solve problems. We don't want to be a part of a problem. Because, God, you've put that in us, not just as individuals, but as your followers. And, God, I believe it just starts where we are. So, God, let the words that we're going to read from James challenge us and yet at the same time motivate us. That it gives us hope for a way to live to where not just that a difference is made, but, God, where we experience life as you want it to be experienced. God, if there's anyone here, God, anyone watching, that they've never surrendered their life to you, I pray, God, that that's exactly what they would do today. They would surrender to you, start with you, to say, I'm making you my boss, my Lord, my CEO, and I want to follow you all the days of my life because your way of living is a lot better than my way of living. And the best way I know how, I give you my life, surrender to you, and that, God, you would use us, use this series to use us to make a difference in a very powerful way. In your name I pray, amen.